Hey, good morning, guys. Welcome back to Drive Time. As always, I'm David Drum. And today I am joined by David Dusek. Uh, he is the, the CEO and founder of Rough Cut Ministries. Uh, he has authored a couple of books, Rough Cut Men, and also The Battle. Uh, David joins us today to kind of start unpacking a little bit about his new book, The Battle. Uh, the link for purchase uh, will be in the description of the video. Uh, David, thank you for joining us and uh, welcome to Drive Time. Right back at you, man. We, we're both DD, aren't we? I just now realize we got the same name going here. Uh, thanks, David. Uh, yeah. Gosh, there's just so much I want to talk about right now. I'm trying to get my mind around everything. I, I guess the first thing you, everybody needs to know about me and everything that we do as a ministry is I'm very movie centric. I love using action movies as parables. So there, uh, I have found biblical lessons in the craziest movies in the world. I mean, I think honestly, it's kind of one of those, uh, the words of Joseph uh, in Genesis 50 verse 20, where he says, even if you intend to, uh, what you intended to harm me, the Lord meant for the good and the saving of many lives. I think Hollywood uh, is in, uh, incredibly bad most of the time. And their, their messages are, are worldly. Uh, but we have found a way to take worldly movies and put biblical messages on them, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we Were Soldiers is probably one of my all-time favorite movies. And through a very odd series of circumstances, uh, my wife and I ended up adopted into the family of the 1st Battalion, 7th U.S. Cavalry, which was the original unit that was deployed to Southeast Asia, the Central Highlands of Vietnam, in November of 1965. So this is the, these are the same guys that, that, they're, that the movie is, is built around. And Mel Gibson and Sam Elliott and Barry Pepper and all the guys that are in that movie, we know the actual people that were in that fight and their families, their wives, their grandkids, their kids. And I spent a lot of time interviewing them. If you don't know much about this battle, 395 men from the 1st Battalion, 7th U.S. Cavalry Air Mobile hit the ground on November 14th, 1965 in the Central Highlands of South Vietnam in a valley uh, of the Iadrang River, surrounded by mountains. Um, it's the first time we'd ever seen anyone use helicopters in combat. It was the first time the M16 had been used in a combat theater. So these guys were completely experimental on so many different levels. And these 395 men ended up landing on over 2000 enemy soldiers that were in tunnels underneath a place called the Chupong Massive, which was a mountain right next to uh, this river. So they ended up outnumbered immediately five to one. And they got They were engaged in a fight for about 72 hours. In the first 24 hours of the conflict, 79 were killed in action and 121 were wounded. So they lost two thirds of their fighting force in the first 24 hours of this battle. But it was a resounding victory. Uh, and as I have spent so much time at reunion, sitting around tables with the guys that were in the fight and their family, something really became crystallized and very clear as I spent time with them. These are mostly believers. And every single tactic, technique, and procedure that they used on the battlefield also works against the enemy that the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That same enemy that Peter says prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Can, those tactics can be interchangeable in real-world combat and spiritual warfare. And so that's what the book is actually all about. It's right here. Um, and the cover actually is designed after the first cavalry arm patch. Uh, it's a bright yellow patch, typically has a horse head on it, which I didn't put on it. And it's about 
18 different principles to biblical manhood learned from these war fighters in Vietnam. And one of them always just seems to center around my life verse. And my life verse is the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes 4, where he says very simply that we should pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And I'm, I'm sorry, guys, uh, I, I'm, I have my moments where I want to isolate. I want to be by myself. I don't want to talk to anybody. And I have found that the enemy tends to attack me in those moments when I've pulled myself out of the fight. I'm no longer engaged with anybody at home. I'm no longer engaged with my friends. I am going through the motions. And that is the surest way to die on a combat field. You never kick a door without overwatch. You never go through in uh, law enforcement guys. know you never take a door without somebody pointing in the opposite direction, making sure that you don't get shot in the back. Now I spent a lot of time with the U S army. I've been with a lot of their units. Uh, I've been with the first cav, the third infantry division, seven special forces. I've been to Korea, Germany, all over the United States, 101st airborne. If you've ever seen band of brothers or saving private Ryan, I've been with them as well. And I did not grow up in the church. So for the first 32 years of my life, I had no God except for me. And when I met the Lord, uh, I started spending a lot of time in church and I just have to put this out there we do things with regards to ministry to men, uh, which I've now been involved in professionally since 2006. We do things really upside down in the way that they should be. And David, I know you're going to track with me on this. I know it's something that you guys do in your church very specifically, and it, it lines up with your heart as well. Uh, the army, just to give you a quick background. So you see where I'm coming from. The army is comprised of three corps. First corps, third Corps and 18 Corps. Now there are almost a half a million active duty soldiers in the U S army. If you're in the army and one of those half a million people, you are in one of those three corps. Now each corps is broken into two to five divisions of somewhere between 10 and 18,000 soldiers each. Now those are the divisions are what they make movies out of. Uh, again, 101st airborne saving private Ryan band of brothers uh, go way back, throwing back into the, I think it's the sixties, uh, the movie, the big red one with Lee Marvin. It might even be the early seventies. That was the first infantry division. One of the first sets of boots on the ground uh, on, uh, on D-Day in Normandy. They make, they're iconic. They make movies out of divisions. So each corps has two to five divisions of 10 to 18,000 people each. Each division is broken into three to five brigades of somewhere between uh, three and 5,000 people, give or take. Brigades are then broken into three or more battalions of somewhere between 300 and 1,300 in them. Battalions are broken into companies of around 100. That's where we find Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Headquarters, Delta is usually the heavy guns. Uh, and your artillery. Each company is then broken into platoons of somewhere between 15 and 30. Platoons are broken into squads of somewhere between eight to 10. And then a squad can ultimately be broken down into a fire team, which is four people. And then if you really want to break it down, you can go into a two by two tactical cover formation, which is just two. So if you're tracking with me, we have gone from a half a million people down to four. Wars are not one on a division parade ground with 17,000 soldiers in class A uniforms without a weapon to be seen listening to the commanding general address the division. They are one when four guys jump into an armored vehicle inside the wire, they close the door, guys driving, guys riding in the right seat, someone's in the back and then the fourth man's got his hands on a 50 cal machine gun mounted up in a turret 
So when they go outside the wire, they are now officially downrange and on enemy ground. And there's an enemy out there at every turn who wants to shoot them or blow them up. We can live our lives, guys, the exact same way as men of God in the church. It is not about Sunday morning is your division parade ground. All right. That's when you put on your class A uniform. Uh, when I have five kids, so I had my wife on one end and five kids and we were the hashtag marriage goals family, right? Everybody was smiling. The kids were perfect. Nobody needed to know that she was ready to throw me out on the highway on the way to church. We had our game face on everything was awesome. And we listened to our senior pastor, our commanding general, give us a charge for the week. Now, granted, when you're in the army, you are part of a division. You are part of a core. You are part of the larger element. Guys, do not forsake the assembly in lieu of something smaller. You need to be plugged into a church body. But the war is won Monday through Saturday and Sunday with two or three other men in your life who know everything about what's going on in your life. In a deployment situation, on the first day of the first month of a deployment, four men will get into that Humvee, and they barely know each other most of the time. They haven't spent a lot of time together. Sure, they might have the same unit patch on, but they know very little about each other. Here's the way the conversation typically goes. It'll sound a lot like a Saturday morning pancake breakfast at church. What's your name? Are you married? Do you have any kids? In this case, it would be how long have you been in the Army? And then it quickly degenerates into... Who's your favorite football team? Stays about an inch deep and a mile wide and outside the wire they go. Well, here's what will happen on the first day of the ninth month of deployment. Guy gets in the driver's seat, guy jumps in the right seat, dude's in the back, guy mounts up on the 50 cal. The driver looks over at the fire team leader who's in the passenger seat and it looks like the neighbor killed his cat. I mean, there's something visibly wrong with him. These guys have been together so long now that the guy driving can recognize signs of stress just by the dude's facial expression. And he asks him, hey, you all right? And then the guy in the right seats, and this is a true story and I've heard it thousands of times. I just got a call from home. It turned out my neighbor has moved into my house. My wife wants a divorce. So I have no marriage, no home, no place to go back to. I'm here for two more months and I'm utterly devastated. Now, the question I would pose to, to anybody is what's different between the first day of the first month and the first day of the ninth month. I mean, it's the same dudes, same truck, same uniforms, same sandbox, same enemy. They're sleeping in the same plywood box every morning and getting up and doing the same job. The only difference between the first month's first day and the ninth month's first day is time. Because I truly believe that time develops trust. If I don't spend time with you, there will be no trust. Trust then ultimately will create a relationship. Once I trust you and you don't burn me, now we got a relationship. And then and only then, once we have a relationship, will that open the door to discipleship, to getting deeper and closer together to the Lord Jesus Christ as brothers. But you can't skip a step. And I think one of the, the, the grievous, uh, the worst mistakes we've made in the world of Saturday morning pancakes is we have not spent enough time to develop true brotherhood because I'm sitting next to a guy I don't really know. Uh, when they ask for prayer requests, I'm good. And then, you know, everybody in the whole room is quiet because nobody wants to really get their deepest, darkest out in front of a room full of guys that they barely know. So ultimately one guy will raise his hand and say, you know, my aunt's dog and 
Poughkeepsie, New York has cataracts and we need to pray for the dog. And at the same time, the guy sitting next to him uh, has a marriage that he's not sure if his stuff is going to be on the front porch or not when he gets home after the, the breakfast at church. And he's going to go away struggling, thinking he's the only one in the middle of a battle. And gentlemen, we all know that that there's nothing new under the sun, that we're all in the middle of some battle, whether it's uh, for our integrity, for uh, guarding our eyes, financial, marital, kids. I've dealt with two prodigal kids for so long. uh, I'm surprised they even remember what I look like. I mean, this is just life. And until we have guys that we can get into an armored vehicle with on enemy ground, we're going to get shot at. I'll I'll break right here, David, because I'm uh, feel free to fire whatever you want at me. Yeah. So, you know, to use that analogy of the fire team in, in the armored vehicle, uh, I think, it, you know, as guys who, who, you know, myself personally, I, I love a good war movie and, and I'll watch, you know, Band of Brothers or, or uh, you know, We Were Soldiers, wh- whichever, Black Hawk Down. And, and you watch these bonds occur on the screen and those bonds occur through common experience. Hey, we both just got shot at. Uh, you know, we both narrowly escaped that IED, you know, whatever it is, you have that, that, that common experience helps over time, like you said, to build trust between people. Cause so that, you know, there's probably a guy watching this go, yeah, well, when I was in the the Marines or when I was in the army, that was easy. You know, that was my family. Those guys, you know, I I was with them 24 seven for, you know, a year and a half in the desert. It's easy to, to, to have that bond. Um, but now I'm home and I see these guys once, maybe twice a week. And, you know, man, that guy's, he, he doesn't know what I'm going through. He can't appreciate it. How do we start to break that down? How do we get past those? That's a great question. You know, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I do a lot of work with prior service and uh, the thing that they say the most uh, that they miss the most about their time in the, in the, in the bond of brotherhood is the guys that they were with. They've not been able to find an environment in the civilian world that replicates the same kind of brotherhood that they just so deeply miss when they, you know, get their DD 214 they they sign out for the last day and they hang up their uniform and they, they enter the, the world as a civilian and they spend the rest of their lives looking for a place to plug in Tony Nadal, uh, who was the alpha company commander of the first battalion, seventh cavalry, uh, in the Iodrang Valley said something that I'll, I'll never forget. He said, the crucible of battle has forged a brotherhood among us that no other man could ever break. Uh, if you were not there spilling the same blood in the same mud, you you'll never know what it was like to be in the Iodrang Valley. And that's the truth. I mean, in any case, whether it's the third infantry division uh, in downtown Baghdad and OIF one or, or anywhere else, the guys that were in Pearl Harbor, the the guys that hit the beach on D-Day, nobody knows what that was like, but them. And there is a way to replicate that. I think it falls back on the onus falls back on us really as men's leaders uh, to create ministry that meets needs. 
um, probably one of the greatest ministries that has kind of become an offshoot of mine that's accidental, and it's more of a personal ministry than a, a mission-focused ministry, is I'm divorced and remarried. And I, and I have two kids. Uh, I met the Lord after my marriage imploded, and then my, uh, the mother of my kids passed away at 37 years old of cancer, and uh, my son uh, attempted suicide, and I went through a whole lot of different things. And I'm very real about that in front of a group of guys. I'm being real about it right now as well. No one really knows what it's like to raise somebody else's kids. Stepkids are a whole different ball of wax because you're dealing with, you're married to mama and you want to instill the discipline of a biological father, but there are limits to that because there's probably still a biological father somewhere in the mix. And in my case, there is. So I can only step so far before I walk into the mommy clause. So there's like this balance of, I don't want to you know, upend anything. And I think if we really start focusing on meeting needs for men, if we don't we don't just get together and do another video series. There's some great stuff out there. I've got one. Tony Evans has got a ton of them. There's the 33 series, but we end up staying an inch deep and a mile wide because we're living in this compartmentalized conversation. Uh, it's being led and it's facilitated and there's only so far we can go. It's only when we're out on a golf course in a bass boat, out shooting together, just doing something you know, I will never use the term breaking bread because it's just way too holy. We're out, you know, killing off some hamburgers and, and, and shooting some, you know, killing off a few rounds out of our gun or whatever it is that we do. That's when I have the opportunity to say, man, I'm really struggling with one of my stepkids or I'm really dealing with a prodigal kid. If we sat down as ministers uh, to men and we said, all right, guys, I'm taking a poll. Uh, we've got our choice of marriage, money, or, or raising kids, raising teenagers uh, for our next topic. Which one do you want to do? And what will happen is organically, some of the guys will be divorced and remarried because we represent 40 plus percent of the men in the church. And no one knows what it's like to be divorced and remarried except for a divorced and remarried guy. No one knows what it's like uh, to lose a spouse, God forbid, than a guy who's done that. And so if we get guys together in, in their little spiritual uh, Iodrang Valley, in their Normandies, in their work, they'll they'll know what it's like. If I put a young adult who's just gotten married is about to have kids in a group with a bunch of guys who are recovering from a divorce, that's a bad fit. Just because his zip code matches doesn't mean that it's the right fit. And I think as we continue to target needs, there will be a brotherhood outside of the content where guys will say, I am hanging out with three other guys that were at some point, this is also a true story, three other guys, uh, I'm not, but I had a guy tell me I'm in a group of three other guys who are responsible for an abortion at some point in the last 40 years. And they all regret it because they all got saved, but they're waiting until they get to heaven to meet this kid that they never met. And I don't know what that's like because I've never experienced that before. And I think if we work experientially and say, okay, you've got the divorce remarried unit patch on your arm. And I got a guy you need to meet and you take him over to a guy who's just now getting going through a divorce. That's how we build the unbreakable bond of battle ready brotherhood meeting on so, common ground. So, and, and I, I, I'm definitely hearing what you're saying and, and trying to, to connect those guys that have similar backstories. Um, so how do you encourage, you know, let me throw this one at you when you, meet at that, uh, 
Saturday morning men's breakfast and you got a stack of pancakes in you and you sit down at a table and there's three or four other guys across from you and you don't know any of them more than, you know, the pancakes in front of you, you know, it's, it's new. How do you encourage those guys to take that step to just be willing to share, even if those guys don't reciprocate in the moment? I think the best way to get a soldier who's brand new engaged in the fight is to have a senior NCO show him the ropes. And so I, I, I'm not talking about the officers. I'm not talking about the general officers. I'm talking about the guys that have the battle experience are the sergeants, the ones who are leading fire teams, the ones who are leading squads and platoons. And we have those guys inherently already in our small group. So what we really need to do is make sure that we're encouraging our not senior leaders. That's a wrong term. Our senior non-commissioned officers, the guys that we see every Saturday who we know are already doing things and we keep our ear to the ground. And if we have a new guy come in and we find out uh, in the topic of discussion that he loves to do woodworking and we know someone that, you know, spins baseball bats in their garage on a lathe, then we connect those two people and we encourage them to exchange phone numbers. Lord knows we're hyper-connected um, and, and get them to connect offsite. It's probably not going to happen on the first day with five guys sitting around a table and this dude just walks in for the first time. The breakthrough moment for him is going to come number one, when someone actually acts like they care and that the, 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 the click is shattered when a guy welcomes someone new to the table. Cause I, I've, I speak at lots of men's conferences and I'm very familiar with the same four dudes that sit at their table and nobody else feels like they can uh, work their way in. But that's like having four really experienced combat sergeants and a table full of brand new boot privates and not allowing the, the wisdom of these battle tested guys at this table to trickle down to the other one. So really it's our responsibility to connect other guys who are leaders and say, look, before you leave this Saturday, it ain't about you and the three other you know, senior NCOs you're sitting with. When you see someone new, your whole mission this weekend is to go over and engage them in conversation right. and invite them to sit at your table and don't rush the fruit because I promise you there's one guy that will never shut up. And there's one guy that won't want to talk at every table at every men's breakfast on the planet on any given Saturday. It's just the, just the way it works. That's funny. Uh, I think I've seen that table before. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, you and I discussed, uh, before we hit record on this, uh, you know, we like to, to kind of land the plane each week on these videos, um, yeah. that, uh, um, you know, we, we look for the tangible thing we can do each week to improve, to get 1% better. And we're talking about this, this whole theme of, of finding, uh, you know, your own band of brothers and, and, and being willing to be that brother and, sure. and keeping your ears open for, uh, you know, similarities between stories, not that you're betraying any confidences that were given, but maybe you're just a guy who says, uh, you know, maybe you should talk to this guy, you know, I think you guys got similar stories and you're not really revealing anything other than, you know, trying to make that introduction. Um, but, uh, you know, for the, for the new guy, you know, how do, how do you, uh, what, what's the step this week, uh, that these guys can take? whether they're uh, the battle hardened uh, leader or they are 
the, the fresh boot who this is, you know, Hey, this is week one. Uh, you know, this is the first breakfast I've come to. This is the first men's study I've been to, you know, they're not really sure about it yet. Uh, how, do, how do we go forward from here? Well, the new guys just keep showing up, just keep mounting up in the Humvee because what will happen is that conversation will get deeper. We'll go from an inch deep mile wide. I promise you, the more comfortable you are, the more you develop trust, the more the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you. You're going to hear something out of one guy's mouth and go, I fit at this table. I thought I was the only one. That's your, your moment is, is good. Your, your tasking for the, for the, for the week is to just keep coming. Your task for the next day is to just take one more step. You senior leader guys, you seasoned church dudes who are leading small groups and coming every Saturday. Uh, and you're in church, you know, three services on Sunday. Now I'd ask that you pray that God shows you exactly who you should reach out to. You y'all already know who it is. The Holy Spirit's been prompting you to call somebody, to see somebody. Hey, you see the dude in church and you know you've, you know, I forget why I walk in the kitchen because I'm over 50. So every once in a while it's a legitimate excuse. But I'm telling you, make a move this week. It sounds weird, but make a date with somebody. <laughs> you know, uh, I think about my my marriage. Had I taken my wife out for pancakes on Saturday morning, the first of the month, and then dropped her off at home and said, I'll be back next month uh, on the first of the month and we'll go out for pancakes for an hour. That woman never would have married me because I had to hard sell her on the fact that I was an okay guy in the first place. And it took more than an hour uh, every week or every month to do that. So senior leaders reach out to somebody. You probably already have them in, in, in your phone somewhere or written down or one of their business cards from the last breakfast or someone you've interacted with at church and go do something. It doesn't matter who you're with or what you're doing as much as, as who you're with. Go get coffee, do whatever it is you like to do, but take somebody with you. That's good. Just that, that common experience building a bond. Yep. Because whatever you're doing, you're going to be spending time. Time develops trust. Trust creates relationship. Can't do them out of order. Gotcha. Well, Hey, uh, David, again, thank you for being here today. Uh, guys, I'm going to put the link to, uh, uh, David's uh, newest book. Actually, you can find both of his books on his website, but I'm going to put the link there. Uh, there's also a video series that you can jump into. Uh, he's got a ton of information. He's on Facebook as well. Uh, I invite you to check it out. He's actually going to join us again for another video next week. And uh, we're going to dive a little bit further into uh, the battle uh, and the book and, re and really the direction he goes with it. Uh, so, uh, David, thanks for being here. And uh, gentlemen, we'll see you again next week here on Drive Time.